Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest is scheduled for your listening pleasure. Making his way to the ring, your host of the Turnbuckle Topics Podcast, here's Pat Dunning. And welcome to the Turnbuckle Topics Podcast. My name is Pat, and let's hear it one time for the nature boy, Rick Flair. Woo! So it's a great episode. WWE's Most Wanted Treasure season finale. Season 1, episode 9. And uh, they delivered, as expected. Incredible season. Last week they had Andre the Giant. Um, That was also a two-hour special. And if you haven't listened to my recap slash review on it, please go back to my last episode and check that out. So, uh... The eighth wonder of the world just uh, so happened to be on my eighth episode. Very important. So, Ric Flair, he is the styling, profiling, limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling, and dealing son of a gun. You might have heard of him because he said, To be the man, you got to beat the man. And if you don't like it, learn to love it. I'm every woman's dream and every man's nightmare. Diamonds are forever. And so is Ric Flair. In my life, I've been a movie star, a rock star, and a sports star. All wrapped in the one and worked harder at it than anybody else. And he's not lying, folks. He's not lying. He's 72 years old. Still here. He also partied harder than anybody else, as far as I know. But uh, that's, that's what you call balance, right? Work hard, play harder. So, the nature boy, Ric Flair. They're on a quest to find... His butterfly robe. This is a black robe with white feathers. It's also got a lot of silver going on. Very sparkly, as most of his robes are. And this is uh, a beautiful robe that he wore at the 1992 Royal Rumble. Where, by the way, he happened to win that Royal Rumble. And is only one of two Royal Rumbles where the WWE Championship was actually on the line in that match. Because typically, whoever wins goes off to fight the champion at WrestleMania. But this 1992 Royal Rumble, Ric Flair won it. And the other time was 2016, when Roman Reigns had to defend his WWE Championship in the Royal Rumble, where Triple H ended up winning that. But yeah, 92, I don't believe anybody actually defended it. I think it was just completely up for grabs. I forgot how they got to that point. If uh, anybody wants to remind me on social media, uh, in the reviews, feel free, go right ahead. So... Let's discuss, all right? Let's discuss where and why we're looking for this butterfly robe. This is a very, very valuable piece of memorabilia. Um, the, the simple fact is this. He debuted it in 92 in WWF, and he wore it over the years, of course. And after an episode of WCW Monday Night Nitro in 95, he lost it. Um, he lost it, probably left it in a hotel or something. And the last place he recalls having it was when he was in Tennessee, specifically Johnson City, Tennessee. Now, this robe, his estimated value is at anywhere between seventy dollars and $90,000. This is also considered to be the Holy Grail of Ric Flair memorabilia. 
Um, as many said throughout this episode, uh, especially in the collecting community, um, nobody has been able to trace this, locate it, even get somewhat of an inkling of where this robe might be, other than being said to be in Johnson City, Tennessee, um, where it was 25, 26 years ago when he lost it, but nobody's come out and said anything up, un up until this point. We have appearances throughout the show by Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, Big Show, who, by the way, said Ric Flair is a huge influence on his career, Jerry the King Lawler, The Undertaker, who said only Ric Flair could pull off wearing a pink feathered boa robe and actually make it look good. He also gave Ric Flair a lot of credit and said Ric lived his gimmick 24 7, uh, much like himself. So did The Undertaker. There was no two guys in the business that uh, respect this business more and, and literally live their gimmick around the clock than The Undertaker and Ric Flair. So that was pretty neat. We got to see the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, of course, AJ, Top Dollar Francis, who has been very important part of every episode on the hunt for this memorabilia. WWE archivist Ben Brown. We have Conrad Thompson, who is Ric Flair's son-in-law. And last but certainly not least, the Queen, Charlotte Flair. So I was doing my research and I stumbled upon a very interesting uh, fact is that Ric Flair, he is the only one in the over 30 years of the Royal Rumble, dating back to, I believe it started in 1988 or so, he is the only one to win the Royal Rumble entering at the number three spot. What I also found to be incredibly interesting is this year, which is the, which was the fourth year of the Women's Royal Rumble, uh, the person who came in at number three was the EST of WWE, Bianca Belair. Now, of course, Bianca Belair went on to win this year as well, uh, eliminating Rhea Ripley and winning the Women's Royal Rumble. So uh, that was pretty cool. So we have uh, one number three in each in each side. We have Ric Flair for the men and Bianca Belair this year who's had an incredible year, by the way, went on to face Sasha Banks, the boss, for the SmackDown Women's Championship on night one of WrestleMania 37. Great match. Um, that and the Cesaro-Seth Rollins were my two favorites of that night. And um, they picked the right two to close that show, though. And, of course, Bianca Belair, she's been SmackDown Women's Champion ever since. So, something about that number three. We learned that Olivia Walker did a lot of Ric Flair's robes throughout the years. Um... It is actually uh, the gold robe by Olivia Walker. That is the only robe that WWE actually has within uh, their grasp. Ric Flair sold it to WWE several years ago, at which uh, one point in the show he joked about selling it due to alimony payments. So that was nice to see him make light of that. So while they're in the midst of, of trying to get a lead on this butterfly robe that's been missing for the better part of uh, a quarter century... They, they date back to the first ever Starcade in 1983. Now, those that aren't familiar with Starcade, uh, as they expressed throughout this show, was basically what is now WrestleMania for WWE. Uh, NWA, which turned into WCW over the years, uh, started, again, started this Starcade back in 1983, went on for years. And so we saw the champion, the NWA champion Harley Race, go up against Ric Flair. This was a huge match. Ric Flair came out in this big, beautiful turquoise robe, shiny as ever, sequins and such. And uh, Ric shocked the world. He dethroned the champ, Harley Race. And this is where he found an immense amount of momentum, and he never looked back from there. So in the meantime, they, they go on the hunt for this beautiful turquoise-looking robe. And, and so we're going to get back to that in just a moment. 
Rick goes back and talks about the Royal Rumble 1992, how it completely changed his life for the better, obviously, becoming WWE champion in that match, grueling match in there for the better part of an hour, if not longer. And, uh, you know, that's obviously where he donned that highly sought-after black and silver butterfly robe, and that's why it's so important. But what was really cool, which I didn't know they were friends, is the lead singer of Hootie and the Blowfish, I know you've heard of them, I may or may have not bought a couple of the records over the years uh, when I was growing up. So the lead singer, Darius Rucker, and Ric Flair happen to be very good friends. Uh, they met well over 20 years ago at a bar, and they've been friends ever since. They hit it off right away. Darius Rucker happens to be a lifelong fan of pro wrestling. Attributes his getting into wrestling from his grandmother. That was pretty neat. But the main reason that Ric Flair is visiting him is not just because they're friends, but Ric Flair believes that Darius Rucker may have this black and silver butterfly robe from the 92 Royal Rumble. So they talk about the 1999 Jimmy V fundraiser where Ric Flair auctioned off one of his robes, which, if I could add, by the way, uh, didn't make sense to me because by this point, Flair had already lost the robe four years prior, but maybe he forgot. Whatever. So... Nonetheless, it is a television show, and um, this was a feel-good moment, regardless. And Darius Rucker lets Ric Flair know that, hey, I don't have that robe, but the robe that I did buy uh, or win in that auction, because when he saw it, he said, I gotta have it, is a beautiful white and silver robe. Uh, absolutely incredible looking. It was referred to as the Galaxy Robe, and Ric Flair debuted this at Starcade 1987. Beautiful robe. They had some great conversation, and um, but they got to keep it moving because, again, they're on the hunt for leads and so on and so forth. So they visit Ric Flair's son-in-law's house, Conrad Thompson, which, by the way, uh, many of you, at least within the wrestling community, know of this man. He's, he's um, very well known in the midst of several podcasts, whether he's with Bruce Pritchard or had a podcast a few years ago with Ric Flair. Uh, now, I believe he's doing a podcast with Jeff Jarrett. I think he does one with Arn Anderson. The list just goes on. He's the go-to guy if you want to uh, get a podcast up and running in the wrestling community. So, I knew he was a collector, but I did not know that his collection was uh, that amazing. So, he had boots from Andre the Giant, of course, Ric Flair, his father-in-law, which is kind of weird, but awesome. Um, and yeah, he basically has every championship title there ever was. I mean, the guy's office, if you want to call it that, is just outrageously it's a dream in short so his favorite belt was the big gold belt that is from the nwa slash wcw era uh which rick flair was the face of those companies just like he related it or equated it to hulk hogan being the face of wwf wwe over the years um so this big gold belt its inception was february 1986 until wcw ended uh which was they were bought out in 2001 I know WWE also used uh, the big old belt for a little bit. And so we come to find out that this robe that Ric Flair wore at Starcade 1983, its estimated value is at $50,000. Um, Conrad's able to set something up where they're able to visit uh, the gentleman by the name of West Potter, big-time collector in North Carolina, I believe. And uh, so West Potter has this robe. Charlotte um, was there with AJ Francis. Charlotte tries the robe on. Very cool moment. Uh, again, seeing this robe, it, um, seeing this robe in the footage with Ric Flair in '83 was incredible. But actually seeing it 
uh, current day Charlotte trying it on, just seeing it even displayed, simply fantastic. So another piece of memorabilia that it, that Wes Potter also had was the red and black boots from the 1992 Royal Rumble that Ric Flair wore. Now, wouldn't that pair perfectly with the side of butterfly robe? So the good thing is, hopefully, at the very least, even if they don't find this butterfly robe, that at least maybe they could scoop those boots up from Wes Potter, uh, which are also valued at $10,000. So the boots, the robe, roughly sixty grand. But the problem is this. Uh, A.J. Francis offers up the amount of money to Wes Potter, and rightfully so. Wes Potter is not willing to part with either one of them. So they come to terms on a deal where WWE is going to take it on some kind of a loaner basis, similar to the Andre the Giant episode where that gentleman uh, let them borrow Andre's blue suit for X amount of time. They don't explain the details. I don't know if it's months, years, or if and when they have a museum at some point. Who knows? So that was interesting, but that was as good as it got for that at the time being. They're about to hit the road again. So we segue to uh, Ric Flair talking about when he was in a plane crash. Now, this dates back to years prior, uh, when his wrestling career was basically just getting started as a rookie. We're taking it back to October of 1975. Ric Flair got in a plane crash where the pilot died. One person happened to be paralyzed. And, you know, we learned that Ric Flair was 24 at the time, and he actually broke his back before his career even started. Just think, we call him one of the all-time greats, and he was in a plane crash where there was uh, a fatality, someone's paralyzed, and he actually broke his back, and still resilient, and, and he was just destined to be where he was, um, one of the all-time greats. But somehow, he went on to have an amazing career, 16-time world champion. Um, we know John Cena's knocking on that door, maybe tying him very soon. Um because I believe Cena's 15-time, right? Or did he tie Flair already? He may have tied him already. Well, bear with me. Anyway, one of the best to ever do it. So, we learned that, well, I think a lot of us already knew this. Ric Flair was notorious for losing things due to his hectic lifestyle and, and just being an all-out party animal. It's just the way it was. So we start to see, as most of us already know, if you saw the 30 for 30 back in 2017 of Ric Flair... You learned a lot more of the the personal life of of the flares and, and the entire family. So Charlotte talks about how she accidentally got involved with pro wrestling uh, on behalf of her brother Reed, who passed away March 2013. You know, being a pro wrestler was always his dream. Looked up to his dad, Ric Flair, uh, in a big way, and was well on his way. Though he had his battles. The good news, obviously, is that Charlotte picked up where Reed left off, and. Uh, quite honestly exceeded all expectations even her own and she said you never know where life is going to take you ain't that the truth talk about the impact of rick flair just overall not even just pop culture or sports but literally in every capacity uh being imitated daily in in several leagues you see it in the nfl and nba just to get the players pumped up whether it's pre-game post-game who knows you know it's just rick flair is that important and crucial we see that, you know, he's he's been uh, in music videos with Bad Bunny, who A.J. Francis happened to mention that Bad Bunny is the most streamed artist on Spotify in the past year. And uh, obviously, Bad Bunny, in my opinion, uh, and I was a skeptic, not going to lie. Whenever I see somebody outside of pro wrestling come in, I'm always a little skeptical. Uh, but he put in his work, and, and dare I say, he had one of the best matches 
as a, a guest or celebrity in the ring at the biggest show of the year uh, than pretty much anyone else who's ever stepped foot in the ring that is not a pro wrestler. So they talk about him being featured in, in Bad Bunny's music video a few years ago, which that song went platinum, as a lot of Bad Bunny stuff uh, does. They talk about the song he was in, the Ric Flair Drip, a few years ago with uh, artist Offset. He was in that video, and uh, it's just amazing, you know? Late 60s, early 70s, Ric Flair is is still uh, such a prominent figure and sought after uh, for appearances, not just within the world of pro wrestling for meet and greets, but, you know, music videos by guys that are what? In their mid-20s, if that. So, pretty incredible. So there is a very, very uh, important moment that comes up during a taping in December of 2020 of this this episode where Ben Brown is in the WWE warehouse and he comes up to AJ Francis while he's taping and says, look, the, the butterfly robe pulled up on eBay for $10,000, which is pretty much a steal because as I mentioned earlier, I think it was somewhere in the, in the lines of 70 to 90 grand it was valued at. So they're looking to get in touch with the buyer. Uh, they're able to figure that out. Probably, I believe it was through Conrad Thompson because he's just... Uh, Conrad got them through this whole episode and this whole transaction. He he is he is all about his business. So, talking about how this was potentially left in a hotel in Johnson City, Tennessee, was never claimed, and somebody got their hands on it. And uh, they're like, why suddenly would somebody put this on eBay and sell it for such a low price? Apparently, um, the person who was able to purchase this from said person on eBay said that the robe was sold for ten grand to pay for funeral expenses for a family member of, of that person. So, long story short, Ben Brown, AJ Francis, and Ric Flair meet up with a representative of the new owner of the Butterfly Robe uh, in hopes to negotiate for a deal because the the guy who had actually purchased it did not want to show up in person. First offer, 50 grand. Uh, no, declined. Uh, fact of the matter was he wants, um, he, he, he would rather trade for Ric Flair's jungle robe. Beautiful robe, by the way. Uh, green with uh, lions and tigers on it. No bears, oh my. And he also wanted a pair of boots. A pair of Ric Flair's boots that Conrad Thompson was willing to step in and say, Hey, look, I've got a few pairs. I'll throw in a pair of Ric Flair's boots valued at fifteen grand." And um, they were actually, they weren't the most important pair of boots, but they were very nice looking, red and yellow. They're from 1995 when he won the title. I believe it was against Macho Man Randy Savage or something like that. So here we are. Right, we we got the the jungle robe, we got the boots, uh, roughly valued at anywhere between seventy seventy five thousand, and uh, so it seems for the time being, we have a deal. And now, although they agree to terms, which technically I was wrong, they didn't actually, they couldn't completely agree to a deal because they had to locate the jungle robe, which they were able to find out. WWE official Charles Robinson has, aka Lil Nate. He has a long-storied history with Ric Flair through WCW and WWE. Uh, I believe they were able to locate that through Conrad Thompson uh, once again. So, AJ Francis and Ric Flair go and visit Charles Robinson in hopes to to get this jungle robe off of him that he's had for many years. They ask Robinson if he would be willing to sell it. Robinson gets incredibly emotional because... He has so much respect for Ric Flair and uh, just so much love for the guy. And Rick said that Charles Robinson is one of the most respectful individuals he's ever met. And uh, again, I mean, the guy's Lil Nate. They had several skits and segments throughout the years, so it's understandably so. 
So everybody takes a minute. You know, everybody takes a minute. Ric Flair hugs Robinson. They they cool off. They reconvene. And uh, they get Ben Brown on the line through a video chat. And now Ben Brown is actually willing to offer up the only piece of WWE memorabilia of Ric Flair at the warehouse, which is that gold robe worth 50 grand. So it goes back and forth for a moment. And, um, you know, they knew this was all to get that black and silver butterfly robe. And so Charles Robinson says he's on board and um, and agrees to the deal. So they, they carry out the deal in hopes for that butterfly robe. You guys with me? I know this is long-winded, but I promise that it's worth it. And I suggest that if you haven't already, you please go and check out this episode of WWE's Most Wanted Treasures, The Nature Boy, Ric Flair. It, it was pretty good. It gets really juicy at the end here. So now they think they come to terms. Uh, they got the boots. They got the robe ready to exchange for this butterfly robe. And the representative uh, comes to everybody and says, uh, to Ben Brown and such, and says, the guy wants to renegotiate. He wants both of those items plus an additional 25000 in cash. They're like, are you kidding me? You know, um, really? Again, Conrad steps in uh, like a true boss and says, look, I'll get you the twenty-five grand. let us just square this thing away. It's nearly a $100,000 deal at this point with the robe boots and the 25000 cash. So they're finally off to Huntsville to make this deal. Ben brings the robe, Conrad brings the boots, and the 25K. So it's just about even. They're going to both have like basically joint custody of this robe between WWE and Conrad due to splitting it. Um, so again, they're like, you know, you ready to make this happen? And the representative goes, he wants to renegotiate. They're like, are you kidding me? They're ready to flip the table, rightfully so. Uh, at this point, I was waiting for some wrestling moves. Kind of reminded me of the Sonny Ono uh, thing that he pulled in the Andre the Giant special. So, uh, But this was worse. This was worse. So now he wants the boots, the robe, and oh, by the way, instead of 25 grand, let's make it 50. No, better yet, let's make it 60. Conrad said enough. You know, this is ridiculous. Everybody at the table was reluctant, but Conrad said it's enough. Mind you, Conrad was the only one that's not actually there. He was there through video chat. He says, let's do this. I'll wire you the 60 grand right now. Let's get it. Done deal. The robe is in WWE's hands. The guy brings it over. Um, and that was that. Mission complete. They got the job done. They got the black, silver, butterfly robe back. And that's awesome. I'm glad they got it done. So it was a great episode for many a reason. Perfect way to finish the season, and I hope we see a second season. Uh, it was an incredible show. So long live the nature boy, Ric Flair. Great episode, great seeing him. More insight on this legend, one of the very best, if not the best, professional wrestler of all time. So before I get out of here, I just want to remind everybody to please leave me a review and a rating, a five-star rating if you're feeling generous on Apple Podcasts. I am also available on pretty much any podcast platform that you listen to. And uh, thank you once again for tuning in to Turnbuckle Topics. I am your host, Pat Deneen, and I'll catch you next time. Got a question for Pat? Send him an email at turnbuckletopics at gmail.com. That's turnbuckle, T-O-P-I-X, at gmail.com. Find him on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Turnbuckle Topics. Thanks for listening to the Turnbuckle Topics Podcast. Be sure to subscribe 
If you like the show, help others find out about it. Leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us next time for another episode of Turnbuckle Topics. See you then.